Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. This week on the nonprofit news feed, well, we're bringing you some updates. We had World Cancer Day go by, but we also have, for the first time in nonprofit news feed history, a, a guest. And so we're going to be jumping into it and just reveal our mystery guest. But first, Nick, can you give us a quick update on what we saw with uh, World Cancer Day? Yeah, George, I can start us off on this exciting moment in nonprofit newsfeed, the podcast history lore. But this Saturday was World Cancer Day, where it seeks to emphasize the importance of awareness around cancer, its potential symptoms, and the importance of an early diagnosis and uh, detection. The BBC, in reporting, acknowledged that the Day of Advocacy highlighted stories of young cancer patients who were misdiagnosed, um, acknowledging that young people, too, can get cancer. Uh, many clients, many nonprofits, rather, including Hobo Client, LCFA, Lung Cancer Foundation of America, advocate for research, awareness, and community on behalf of those impacted by cancers of various types. We also featured a story about the Georgia Cancer Center um, associated with a uh, university down in Georgia. Um, and many hospitals and other medical centers around the country acknowledge the day promoting advocacy and awareness around cancer and cancer detection. Um, so, so George, what's, what's your, what's your take on this? This is something that's very close to whole whale. We work with a lot of organizations in the health advocacy and cancer community space. Um, anything else to add here? I like days of awareness and those moments where organizations can kind of get through the news bubble because here's the truth then the fact of the matter is like lung cancer for example is like the number one killer of cancers and folks don't know each cancer has got a, a sadder harder stat about it but frankly if it is a constant din a low dull background noise it has a harder time breaking through to media narratives and pieces. So I think days of awareness serve as those moments to punctuate into the uh, public discourse, uh, as opposed to unfortunately being, you know, sad stats delivered daily, which just, you know, it, it doesn't bring uh, the, the type of the type of public awareness that I think a day like this does. So, I, you know, I'm all, I'm all for it, all in on it. Me as well. Um, yeah. Again, an issue near and dear to our hearts here at Whole Whale, the publishers of this newsletter and this podcast. Um, so let's continue to get folks the, the care and appropriate diagnoses that they need. All right. Well, we've got a hot take debate, which we made up because I posted something on LinkedIn about the, the weekly news and in particular something about Mr. Beast and this post about him effectively paying for a thousand cataract surgeries in order to, you know, frankly make content, I would say, but there was some backlash out there and I ran this poll and the question was, should it be considered charity when a YouTube creator pays for cataract surgeries while making content out of it? 
And according to LinkedIn, only 25% of people said, no, it is not charity. 55% said, yes, it is. 20% said it depends. And then the one and only returning guest, uh, Adam Faircloth, who I'll have to give some context. I'll have to give some context. Uh, Adam Faircloth is the Senior Director of Integrated Fundraising at Make-A-Wish and previously served as a Senior Director of Donor Acquisition at USO. He pinged me and said, wait a minute, what is your hot take? So here it is. Uh, hey, Adam, how's it going? Uh, Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Now, do you regret that you put the it depends option? You 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 forecasted you might you might regret it. Um, you gave twenty percent of your respondents an out. Do I don't. Feel like I regret. I, I, you know, I I don't regret it because it shows that there's a lot of fence sitters and it's not a binary issue. So I don't regret putting it depends uh, on on the options though. It is uh it is a question. So Nick, you're going to serve as the the moderator here and. Maybe we can show our cards a little bit uh, to start. Adam, what is your initial position on this? So my initial position is that Mr. Beast was the best member of the X-Men team. Um, oh, seriously, um, I think that uh, what Mr. Beast is doing is addressing a gap that exists. Um, I think that there are systems in place that do not support and serve those who need things most desperately. And so that's where you see nonprofits step in. He is not a nonprofit. He is somebody who does make money on this, but ultimately is looking to serve a greater good and address a need that's otherwise being unmet by you know, all the other systems around these folks. Um, and so I think that depending on your definition of what a charity is, he's not a 501c3. I couldn't find his 990. I checked. Um, he is looking to help people in a, in a genuine way that I think does benefit him, but also serve something you know beyond that. Yeah, Adam, I appreciate that. And I'll just jump in and add some extra context that uh, Mr. Beast dropped this video uh, recently paying for a thousand eye surgeries, um, particularly cataract surgeries for folks not only in the U.S., but around the world. The video as a recording has 95 million views. And of course, there's cash giveaways and other sorts of giveaways in there as well. Um, so Adam, great to hear your thoughts on this argument. George, what is your initial hot take to start us off? There is a quote that I can roughly attribute to Houdini, who says, when you do a good deed, you do not bring a brass band. Which is another way to say is when we're doing good deeds, when we're doing good things in the world, if we're truly altruistic and driven from that sense, you don't bring the parade with you and you certainly don't have 95 million views of that. I'll also add that that particular video was, was sponsored by Experian. And it was very clear throughout the video that, you know, this was in fact, uh, you know, very much planned and paid for. Uh, by Experian, which I'm not quite sure the, the crossover to Kenderac surgery, but there it is. I think that there's something to that and that it mirrors some of what you see in the nonprofit space, right? Like as a member of you know, a nonprofit organization and you know, probably a number of your listeners are also, um, they likely have corporate partners, people who can help through in-kind or might be giving gifts to help um, address the, the mission and the needs of the organization can 
create opportunity to extend the reach of that organization to create broader awareness into audiences they may not otherwise reach. I think having corporate partners, corporate sponsors is consistent with the types of practices you would see in nonprofit. Um, I also think that the when you look at the money being raised off this, if you look at historically what Mr. Beast has done, um, most of the time he is reinvesting what he's earning into the production of his next video, which his stunt philanthropy has been a consistent theme for him. That is his brand. He's often looking at how he can lift up lives. And we know in the fundraising space, you have to build capacity because you have to be able to deliver on the mission you have now, but the mission probably isn't satisfied and complete today. And so you need to have the resources to then continue to do more in the future. And so I think there's you know, no downside here to like being able to bring in money that would allow him to create additional um, opportunities to you know, create good in people's lives in the future. And that's a byproduct of having this content that's available for consumption. Adam, a question on that point. Of course, as a nonprofit professional, you know that nonprofits are often held to very high standards in public discourse around transparency and accountability and the efficacy of the programs they offer. Um, doesn't matter that Mr. Beast isn't a nonprofit. Should he be held to those same standards? Do you think that nonprofits uh, are held to unrealistically high standards? Um, is that is that kind of what you're saying? Or would you agree with that? I think that he is an individual and operates a for-profit business. And so he is not held to the same standards that a nonprofit would. But I believe that the organization that he partnered with for conducting these surgeries was a nonprofit. He was actually giving money directly to them, I think, by the tune of $100,000 to help fund additional cataract surgeries that could be done beyond that. And so I think that by being someone who can create awareness to this need, 50% of uh, the blindness is treatable. Right to be able to create awareness to that, to bring resources to bear to that, to partner with somebody who can help execute on that in a way that would be responsible, is something meaningful. Um, it is something that did change the lives of more than a thousand people. I think that that's a great point and finding a nuanced distinction there. Um, Adam, you did say reference this as stunt philanthropy. George, I'd be yeah. curious. Um, how do you feel about this stunt philanthropy? And Mr. Beast is not the only content creator that does this. Well, as you look at, you know, we called out this title here, the world biggest YouTuber paid a thousand people to get eye surgery, but is slammed for making content out of people who can't see. The medium is the message and the artist inevitably has a fingerprint on that message. And when you go back through Mr. Beast's history, you know, someone who started off creating Minecraft videos and tutorials of how to build stone houses and then evolves to who can keep their hand on this car the longest for $10,000. And you look at this sort of narrative. One of the questions I have is, what are you, you really building? There's this sort of inevitable manipulation, it feels, of emotion. And that is your core ingredient. And when it's turned to charity, yeah, there are some beneficiaries there, but, but make no mistake, you're showing up alongside of who can hang on this bar and drop into water for reward. 
And, you know, that, that flavor of capitalism and who gets to, to win can really leave a weird taste in your mouth when you're watching somebody seed for the first time, I would say. I think that's a really fair point and something that I've, I've thought a little bit about. And like part of, I think, where Mr. Beast has been successful is because he has cast off the traditional models for how people might be able to affect good in the world. Right. And so he's not like showing up like I might and say, cool, I'm going to work at a nonprofit and try to uh, address a particular need via the mission of my organization by, you know, being part of that. He's sort of leaned into the attention culture and you know, what it means to be on the internet and found a way to then monetize that for the purpose of be able to do a greater good at probably a faster pace in a way that does feel untraditional. It does feel different than what you would expect to see from an NGO. But does that make it bad? Um, maybe there are different ways to address things. And he's leaning into the problems of society, but finding ways to navigate them for something of benefit. Be curious, like what you think about that. It's a hard one for me to push back on because, yes, you know, we were just talking about Cancer Day and awareness. We just have an amazing breakthrough of attention to the fact that this is a 10 minute surgery that is changing people's lives and it's like why aren't we doing this at scale and that's that's a hard thing to get past except for the fact that again the, the purpose of this video at its at its core is for him to outdo his last biggest stunt this is a stunt yeah the byproducts are people had eye surgery paid for but i'll also note that if we factor a two dollar and 13 cent cpm which is the effective rate based on 2023 benchmarks for, again, this is a video that is garnering 95, at this point, million ads. He's made $200,000 from just the CPM alone. Mind you, I bet he's got a better deal with YouTube than that, given he's their number one producer, notwithstanding the fact that there was actually a very in-ad done for Experian in there uh, that had two ad placements inside of there. And... So the question is, you have folks that essentially are offering up their story and a window into their lives in a very intimate moment, and they're being compensated. But are they being compensated fairly given the revenue generation of that moment? I think that that would be a question for the individuals, right? I can't speak to how they've assessed the value to be for what service they've received. Um, I think that when you know that this surgery cost, I think it was between $1,500 and $2,500 to perform, and that these people did not have access to it, and they could not work. They could not live lives where they felt whole. And to be given the opportunity to be part of something that's telling a broader story to create greater awareness for this challenge, for something that should be solvable, it is treatable. Yes, they're not making the same money that Mr. Beast is, but in fairness, that's not really the like profession and craft that they seek to excel within. If they were able to find their way to do this, and I realize I'm walking to some sort of slippery slope here, I, I suspect I see I see George is going to get me. Uh, but I, I think that if they had the ability to become internet phenomenons and then you know have a similar form, they would love to have that reach. But I think that there's something more important about finding the opportunity to create greater awareness to this need and to solve to solve this blindness for a thousand plus people, which that's something. Um, I, I think 
I would be curious to ask a question back to you, which is if, so if we say that Beast shouldn't be doing this, just Beast shouldn't be doing this because he is generating profit into his own pocket for doing it, who should? Well, I'll turn around and say I deeply respect the USO's video strategies for, you know, if I see a soldier coming home to a pet, like I'll watch that video all day long. That is a happy soldier coming home to a pet and like that happened. That made me feel warm. That made me feel fuzzy. And my tax deductible donation into that system is going to further more soldiers coming home to more pets. Like, and I'm here for that story. You're also at Make-A-Wish, which leverages these stories at tremendous effect and impact, building up a system that's going to continue to do it. My question, I guess, is when we have this moment of one and done, a thousand is great, but this is a systemic problem, fundamental issues with our healthcare system. To what end? To what end does, hey, I you know see this happen one time versus a nonprofit that's going to solve for the fact that here is a very, what seems like simple surgery at a cost-effective rate that would actually help our labor employment problems because there are folks that couldn't drive cars to work, that couldn't do their jobs. It seems like it is a no-brainer as a systemic solution rather than media fodder. And I get more excited and I am more interested when there is a nonprofit leveraging that attention engine toward the systemic solution rather than can I can I get a hundred million views here? But then when you consider that there probably were nonprofits that existed already that were seeking to solve this that thus far have not been able to because maybe they were not able to garner the attention to generate the money to be able to conduct these surgeries. And that now let's say 50 million plus people, because some of those views are reviews, right? Rewatches. 50 million people probably learned for the first time that 50% of blindness is treatable. And they didn't know that before. And so maybe this is the opportunity that's been created by this moment that Mr. Beast has uh, presented to now have nonprofits pick up and carry it from there because they have the attention, they have the awareness, they've seen the impact it can have. Now, what do you do to build on this? Yes, Mr. Beast is going to go on to do the next stunt philanthropy, right? But he has created the space and opportunity for those nonprofits that were not able to get the attention previously. They're having folks like us getting on these things and talking about this. We were not talking about this a couple of weeks ago. He's done that. He's created that space for future success. Adam, I think that's a really interesting point. And this actually brings up an interesting question. Is this kind of content, this made to go viral content community is this an earned revenue model that nonprofits should aspire towards? Is it sustainable? Is it a net positive? Um, or is it just a stunt? I think that it's something that there's, I think there are definitely lessons that can be taken from it that anybody can look at how it might inform content strategy or even channel strategy. But um, beyond that, I think that some of the way in which Mr. Beast um, goes to market with the content that he produces might be too sensationalist for certain nonprofits. I think it's going to come down to like, what's the brand identity and what is the messaging strategy and how um, is that brand perceived by its audience? Because you can try to be somebody who's doing the the catchy viral sort of content and it just falls flat because your audience isn't in that space. Um, we've seen 
time and time again when certain brands on Twitter try to be a little too clever and they, you know, they, they stumble over their own shoes. So I think uh, there's a space for it. There's lessons that can be learned, but I don't think that you can just wholesale pick up what he's done and then try to embody that yourself. Yeah, I'll say that yeah. anyone being like, oh, all I need is a, a camera and, and a story is just not true. I'd say this maybe highlights better the power of partnering with influencers, developing an aligned relationship and leveraging your story with their ability to tell it. Yeah, I think that these are fantastic points. So we've had a spirited debate. Good conversation. Hold on. I have one more. I have one more to land. I have one more to try to land here because I feel like I'm here at Adam's side pretty aggressively. But there's one other narrative here that I think is important to pull out, which harkens back to unfortunately named, but frankly, what happened in the 90s with uh, a lot of foreign aid to Africa, the as it were called, flies in the eyes videos where you had, uh, frankly, African children being shown on camera having flies in their eyes with a sad Sally Struthers doing a narrative on top of it to raise funds. And it was, frankly, called out for being very manipulative, using stakeholders in a way that, you know, they didn't sign up for, for painting, you know, a sort of brush over an affected audience. And I really want to bring that to the sort of sensitivity of you know, a medical procedure, an emotional moment. And at what point do you cross over into manipulation? Uh, and also the fact here that there were some echoes of finally a white savior coming to Africa, a white male savior, finally, finally fixing this problem in Africa, which let's not go back too far in history to Coney 202012 here. There are real problems with uh, once you get into uh, that narrative and perpetuating uh, pretty annoying stereotypes. I think I'm going to stay at arm's length from the white savior argument because I I think that there is something to that that deserves examination by people who are more confident and capable to speak to it than you know the the white guy talking to you on this call here. I think that um, that's probably not for me to wade into but rather to acknowledge that like, yeah, there's probably something to be looked at there and unpacked a little bit. Um, but I think the other side of the question that you, you asked about was, um, at what point are you putting people in position of weakness and you're making, and you're sort of exploiting them by showing the flies in the eyes, as you said, I think that that's something that people producing content in our space for a long time have been very sensitive to. So it's highlighting the need um, but doing so in a way that you still allow people to have like to have strength and to be um, to be respected in doing so. And I think that you see that represented in the way a lot of nonprofits tell stories now. And I think that that tracks with what you're seeing here. You're not sh- seeing these folks who are legally blind and you know can't walk down a hall without tripping over themselves or like none of this was from a position of like punching down or making these people look um, like pathetic in any way. This was telling their stories, the stories of these individuals, these humans, and these opportunity to like change the trajectory of what they've been experiencing. And I think it was done so in a way that like does tie into internet culture and you have to like keep attention of the audience, but was never done in such a way that it was like predatory. Interesting analysis from both of you. Thank you so much for sharing. My last question, and then we'll wrap this up. Should Mr. Beast start a nonprofit? 
Mr. Beast. He said he's considered running for president when he turns 40. Um, I believe that he does have a charitable arm. He, I know he has a channel specifically dedicated to it. Um, I know that in the past 24 hours, they've been calling on him to get involved in some of the earthquake response. I think that there's something that could be considered there. It'd be a question of would that align with the way in which he wants to do these kinds of stunts. Um, but I think that he's already demonstrated he can do a significant amount of good. I think to George's point about opportunities for influencers, how can he further shine a light on different nonprofit organizations and their mission? Um, I think all of these things will do nothing but continue to uh, create good things in the world, hopefully. I have to agree. His current also financial structure as a company allows him to parlay the the wins of a previous video onto the next one and make bigger bets. And frankly, as a nonprofit, you would be so scrutinized for the quote overhead problem of doing this that it would be almost nauseating to watch because frankly, it would be a very successful nonprofit, but it would be lambasted for how much he spends on the creation and promotion of videos as a you know, factor of creating a bigger thing each time he, he walks out on, on YouTube. So the structure would fall down under a nonprofit, and I'd much rather see him pick up narrative threads, partner with great organizations, tell their story in this way, I'd say. I appreciate both of your answers. I think that's a fabulous way to end this spirited debate. Adam George, thank you very much. George, I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Well, I almost don't thank you again, Adam, for joining us. Uh, I, I would say I agree with 70% of what I said there um, overall, just to come back before I get like semi-canceled and yelled at. But the, uh, the conversation is important, important to have, and it was fun looking at it. You know, I think we can leave the rest for uh, nonprofitnewsfeed.com if you want to stay up to date on summaries and information. But uh, I do say, do we have a feel-good story, Nick, to to end this thing he does he doesn't want to do it uh well i'll say that there is a, an organization mission impossible helps to help local animal shelters coming from the sunny side sun and i always can go for an animal themed uh pun and it is uh pretty solid uh in terms of turning that around and finally nick i have um i do have a question for you though oh brother uh, what did one plate say to the other at the annual charity dinner? What? Dinner's on me tonight. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Do you understand, Nick? Because it's a plate, and when you put food on it, it's like dinner's on me, but it's also like charitable. It's like, I got this one. Dinner's on me. Uh, it's also funny because plates don't talk. Alrighty. I think we aced it. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 